Hello and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Sierra Vista, the official podcast of the city of Sierra Vista. I'm your host, Public Information Officer Adam Curtis, and this week's episode features Marketing and Communications Manager Judy Hector and Economic Development Manager Tony Boone. As we gear up for our annual Sky Island Summit Challenge and Wine, Beer, and Spirits Festival on Saturday, Judy and Tony will discuss the role events play in bringing visitors and dollars to our community. With Sierra Vista confirmed as a host for El Tor de Zona in March of next year, and the city's recent success in partnering with local leagues to attract sports tournaments to Sierra Vista, our community's reputation as an extraordinary destination for outdoor recreation is building. Birders from around the world already flock to Sierra Vista for its uncommon variety of feathered friends, but Sierra Vista's unique environment has largely flown under the radar for those outside of the hobby. For years, Sierra Vista has been commonly known as the hummingbird capital of the United States, and just this month, Arizona Governor Doug Ducey signed off on a declaration making Sierra Vista the official hummingbird capital of Arizona. We'll discuss how this official recognition helps our community's notoriety and could bring more than birders to check out Sierra Vista. We'll talk about all this and more as Judy and Tony share how the city's approach to economic development and tourism is tailor-made to meet Sierra Vista's particular challenges and opportunities. Let's get to it. Hi, Judy and Tony. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks. It's great to be here. Yeah, Adam, thanks for having us. So, uh, Judy, we're going to start with you. Um, I want to kind of talk about the events coming up this weekend. So this podcast comes out on Friday, and tomorrow on Saturday, we're hosting our Sips and Skies events. Uh, that's an annual event pairing uh, with the 4th Annual Sky Island Summit Challenge and the 4th Annual Wine, Beer, and Spirits Festival in Veterans Memorial Park. Uh, we've had great advance uh, sales for both those events. We're actually going to break a record with the Summit Challenge with about 211 people signed up as of this morning. Um, so can you talk a little bit about bit about why the city started hosting these events each Memorial Day weekend and how they mesh with the city's overall uh, tourism strategy. Sure. Well, in um, 2016, the city launched its new brand, which included um, kind of a tagline, Extraordinary Skies, Uncommon Ground. And what better way to celebrate both of those things than with a hiking event? And our beautiful sky islands are amazing and unique to this area, even unique to Arizona. So it gives us an opportunity opportunity to invite people down and experience the Sky Islands in a way that they might not normally do that. Absolutely. And then with the Wine Fest, we're obviously kind of positioned in between two areas with a lot of vineyards and wineries. Um, so what was the idea of kind of bringing them uh, into Sierra Vista? Well, one of the um, tourism areas that I like to promote is wine and culinary tourism. So what better way to do that than to invite wineries from both the Wilcox, Kansas Settlement area and also the Senoida Elgin area. And we were fortunate in this year to even get some interest from wineries up in the northern part of the state. Mm -hmm. I think they had to back out due, due to an injury, but, you know, we are gaining some notoriety for our wine festival down here and vintners from around the state are interested in coming down here and really showing off on um, what they have and what a lot of people don't understand or know is that here in Cochise County Southeast Arizona Cochise and Santa Cruz counties together uh, we grow about 80% of all of Arizona's wine grapes so we really have a rich wine region here and the wine beer and spirits festival is a terrific way to celebrate it. Absolutely. And Sierra Vista is such a great jumping off point to visit those wineries. And we, we seem to be like a, a nice hub uh, for kind of those day trips around Cochise County. Absolutely. Um, so and then Tony talking about kind of uh, outdoor recreation and as we kind of position Sierra Vista to 
you know, attract folks that love the outdoors and, and doing those kinds of things. Uh, you worked with the city's sports staff to coordinate with Perimeter Bicycling, uh, which they host El Tour de uh, Tucson, uh, which is a huge event, obviously, an annual event up in Tucson. Uh, so you worked with them and our city sports folks to bring them down for El Tour de Zona, and they'll be coming to Sierra Vista in March of 2022. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that process and what this major festival-style event will bring to our community? Yes, I mean, quite frankly, um, a TJ from El Tour de Tucson actually reached out uh, to Laura Wilson, Leisure and Library Services, and then ultimately John Healy in the Sports Division. Uh, and then really based on a relationship, they kind of pulled me into the process. Uh, we've had a couple of meetings uh, with TJ initially to walk the facility. Uh, you know, quite frankly, I, I believe he was truly impressed. Mm -hmm. um, and really the intent is to be able to set this festival and, and kind of use the words festival or, or ride. It is not a race, mm -hmm. so you can come out with your bicycle. Uh, and enjoy the experience uh, and take your, uh, take your jaunt down to Bisbee or Tombstone or on Friday night it'll be just a local race. Mm -hmm. But really it comes back to really capitalizing on the cycling community that we've got um, and really leveraging the Tour de Tucson. As you mentioned, over 6,000 riders for that one-day event that will kick back into the fall. Kind of got shifted around a little bit with COVID. Mm -hmm. And really uh, from their perspective, they're positioning the Tour de Zona in March uh, of 2022 as the first multi-cycling event or multi-day cycling event in the country. Mm. Uh, and at least the initial feedback, I want to say it was somewhere around 20 uh, registrations within the first couple of days, to include, interestingly enough, one from Alaska. And really that the intent is to, to bring folks in, give them the experience um, to see it up close, live, and in person. You know, we do some great advertising, but at the end of the day, uh, in person to see the mountains, it, it's, enjoy the climate uh, is pretty significant. So we want to go after folks that are in the Midwest, uh, maybe the Northeast, that quite frankly, March is still not good for riding. Mm -hmm. And those folks that are tired of uh, hitting the trainer on the indoor side and really to turn it into a, a multi-day event uh, that gives them the opportunity to experience it. And then they really want to try to leverage uh, the Tour de Mesa is after that. And then ultimately Sea Otter, uh, probably the largest cycling festival in, uh, in North America, happens in Monterey a couple weeks later. Uh -huh. So really that gives them the opportunity to pull in, um, whether it's uh, the vendors for cycling. Uh, they like to tend to put their new, exciting, fast, expensive stuff on, uh, on display at Sea Otter. So you kind of roll those three things together. Uh, and it will provide us a really unique experience. And we, we've talked about, you know, a massive event. And this truly has all of the potential to be a really, really big event. Um, we're shooting between 500 uh, and 1,000 cyclists. Wow. Um, and again, you know, they'll, they'll get the opportunity to go for about a three-day event. Mm -hmm. There'll be entertainment for the community. So it's not just... Uh, for the, the cyclists. But if you think of Veterans Memorial Park uh, and the new sports complex that's linked in, uh, all of that will be really the venue. Uh, and again, some of the things we take for granted, you know, as we walk through our parks or go, go through the cove, uh, they were completely blown away that we would have such facilities here. And then they looked at our restaurants, they looked at the hotels, mm -hmm. uh, and also where you know people are gonna bring in their RVs. So really it's uh, a pretty significant event. Uh, and we're very excited about what that looks like uh, as we move into 2022. Mm -hmm. And really at the end of the day, they wanna make it a significant event uh, and an annual event that will continue for years to come.
Yeah, and March is a great time to do it, right? Because there's not a lot of other events around that time. It could be kind of a boost for local hotels and businesses a little bit when, when they might not have something like that. Right, yeah. I mean, there's not – I guess we don't have a signature event for March. Mm-hmm. And then the other piece is really trying to tie into the weather and the climate that mm-hmm. we've got. And, of course, as we've seen, the wind has been an exciting uh, feature as of late. <laughs> uh, so we really want to jump in in March before we get the significant winds because those of us that have been on a bicycle, it makes it for an interesting afternoon uh, with the winds. But that's, again, the, the timing piece. And then really, if you look at the national calendar for those types of events, mm-hmm. there really is no other competition. Uh, and, you know, personally, I'm excited because it's not the Tour to Sierra Vista or Tour to Cochise County. It's the Tour to Zona. Mm-hmm. And we really talked about kind of the, the beginnings of the state and really tie into all that history that happened, quite frankly, in southern Arizona, or as we talk about the real southern Arizona uh, to begin, you know, kind of where the state came from. So, again, we're looking for a great opportunity for folks to come in and experience live and in person mm-hmm. uh, our great community. Uh, and, uh, again, I think it'll be a significant economic boost uh, for those three to four days and maybe actually a little further uh, because, again, there's a lot of phenomenal things to do within the area. So you tie it into maybe it's a four- or five-day vacation, uh, you know, capped off with uh, three days of cycling. Absolutely. And and this really builds on something we've been working on for a little while. Uh, so cycling is a focus area for visitor attraction for us. And um, as you know, I mean, Sierra Vista and Cochise County is a great place to ride. Um, so, Judy, can you talk a little bit about some other recent news we just got? Uh, I believe we just renewed our status as a bicycle friendly community. Um, so what, what does that mean? And, uh, you know, why do you see cyclists as a good market for Sierra Vista? Sure. Well, um, our bicycle friendly communities um, re- designation is given to us by the League of American Cyclists. Mm-hmm. And well, it's not given, it's earned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, but um, yeah, some of the some of the criteria is our um, multi-use paths, roadways, shared use paths, bicycle amenities, um, bicycle education, safety, and so many factors went into this application. We're really honored to be, um, again, designated as a bronze community. There are 11 communities in the state of Arizona that have a designation, which puts us kind of in the elite. So, you know, we're really honored to have that. Um, Sierra Vista is located along U.S. Bicycle Route 90. Mm -hmm. So that is actually used by many um, cross-country bicyclists. There's a group that comes out of Yuma about once a year, and they ride on U.S. uh, Bicycle Route 90 from Yuma to the um, Sierra Vista area. And some of them head out further. You can actually go all the way to Florida. You can go from San Diego to Florida. Wow, that's a a long ride. (laughs) It is a long ride. Not something I would do, but it is a really long ride. So, uh, you know, as I talk about that, I I just want to throw a few numbers out here um and you know maybe some of our listeners are thinking well bicycling that's you know what's that but um it's actually an eight billion dollar industry in the united states so there's a lot of money as tony can attest there's a lot of money that's dropped in bicycling i may have spent a few dollars here (laughs) yeah your son has uh, got some nice bicycles (laughs) (laughs) i also want to add that um during the pandemic um the industry grew by 40%. Oh because God. you know people they were they were they were sitting around mm-hmm. going I'm lazy, I'm getting fat. <laughs> I need to get some exercise so they went out and purchased a bicycle or dusted off their bicycle mm-hmm. and they started riding and they found out how fun it was. And so the industry is expecting to sustain that growth um, not at 40% but 7% year over year and it's continuing to grow. Um, so they're you know 
the riders are now looking for health. There's increased infrastructure in communities, and people are starting to use bicycling as a way to commute. Um, something else that's really helped um, the bicycle industry grow is the release of e-bikes. Mm. So they're still a little bit expensive, but prices are coming down. Um, right now, the e-bike industry is a $5.6 million industry, and it's projected to be a $19 million industry by 2030. Wow. So it's really growing. The, and, and if you've never ridden an e-bike, I really encourage you to go out and just get on one and ride it. It is exhilarating because... So, so what is an e-bike? It's it's an electric assist bike. So it has a little electric motor on it that you recharge it mm -hmm. and it helps you pedal so you'll go faster with less effort, which I really like. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely seen those around, I think. So, yeah. so for me, you know, I, I, it's, I live about six and a half miles from work. And for me, in my age and condition, I that's too far to ride on a traditional bike. But hey, on an e-bike, I would do it. Yeah. So yeah. it's it, it really makes um, bicycling a lot of fun. But um, yeah, having that designation again, it elevates us, and you know it helps bicyclists recognize that this is a community that takes cycling seriously, and they'll know that they can come here and have a good experience. Absolutely, and we have a really active uh, base of cyclists in Sierra Vista who have mm -hmm. helped get this designation, mm -hmm. worked with us on improvements for years and years, um, and and they do a lot of group rides on a regular basis. Exactly. Um, yeah. So yeah, it really is a great place to ride, and we do have a really active. It is, and the Sky Island tour is something that's it's it was postponed in 2019, no 2020, but it's mm -hmm. back in 21. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's going to be in I want to say October. Do you remember Tony? October sounds right. That sounds I, right. I, I yeah. do feel like it's uh, definitely in the fall, uh, and I'm almost yeah. 90, 95 percent sure it's in October. But yeah, it's it's a fun ride. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's not a com a competitive ride, mm -hmm. um, but it does bring in people from out of town who just want to enjoy our beautiful fall weather here and have a nice bike ride. Mm -hmm. That's a great way for residents to kind of get out and check out uh, local rides as well. I think there's like a five mile fun ride they do, so mm -hmm. it's family friendly. If you just haven't been out on multi-use paths and kind of seen different routes and stuff it's a great way to just meet some people and get out there and check it out yeah no i mean in fact if you check out either of our bike shops mm -hmm. either sun and spokes or m&m they both have different rides so yep. whether you want to do mountain biking whether you want to do gravel or whether you want to you know hit the pavement or as you put it a fun ride with mm -hmm. your kids uh with training wheels but but again really you kind of roll all these things together i mean the significance of cycling uh, you know, and I can just say anecdotally, we've seen folks come down from uh, the, you know, I think it was the West Valley, ran into about 12 or 14 folks down for the week to, to ride. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had professional cyclists show up because they'd like to train at altitude. Mm -hmm. uh, and actually, they rode with some of our, uh, our high school mountain bike kids in their training side. So, okay, cool. you know, it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic. Uh, and as Judy points out, I mean, there's real significant economic impact to it, mm -hmm. uh, as well as, you know, just being known for what it is. And really, truly, it marries that very well uh, with both being healthy and, you know, really enjoying our outdoors. And that's a, a lot of what Sierra Vista is all about. I mean, we're a healthy community that loves the outdoors and it just kind of some of our assets really, really fit well with that community, I think. Um, and I should mention before we move on, we do have a uh, bicycle multi-use path map. Uh, it's free. It's a little pocket map. I think it's available at City Hall and the Visitor's Center over at the uh, Oscar Rune Community Center. And it's also on our website at sierravistaaz.gov. I almost said .org, but it's .gov. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're talking about all this, uh, you know, hiking, biking, the outdoors. Um, 
you know, this is also a great place for sporting events. Um, you know, it's a little cooler than some other places, different times of year. And we've had some real success. Laura Wilson, John Healy, and really the local sports organizations are huge in this. Um, but we've, we've done improvements that have helped facilitate, you know, their goal of attracting, you know, more regional, larger tournaments to our area. And we have had some success with softball and soccer tournaments already. Um, so, Tony, uh, if you could talk a little bit about what this actually means in terms of dollars for our community and how this ties into our broader approach for economic development. Well, right. So you're exactly right. We've had some significant success. And, and really, again, that goes back to Laura and John and, and, and their teams kind of as they've gone forward. Um, what it means, I guess, on a couple different angles. So at the end of the day, you know, on the, the broad surface, we only have so much money for advertising. Uh, and as I've gone around, say, really the last four years, and, and really this was kind of crystallized to me when we had the uh, high school mountain bike race at Ren Arena on the fort. Mm -hmm. And people from across the state, to include New Mexico, came in and said, holy smokes, we didn't know this was here. We didn't see it. It's amazing. It's beautiful. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal ride, phenomenal community to be in. Um, so what this means, you know, in the simplest of terms, they've calculated just the six tournaments that they've had. Um, I think five were uh, girls fast pitch softball, and then they hosted a soft, uh, soccer tournament, mm -hmm. uh, 64, 65 teams, give or take. Um, but the economic impact in raw numbers was $1.6 million. Um, and really, I, I would say that goes back to really the significant effort uh, by Laura and her team with the Schneider Electric Project. And people happen to say, well, what is that? Or why did we put, you know, turf on soccer fields? Or why, why, why? Well, one, it, it provides a tremendous opportunity for, you know, our local athletics, whether they be youth or adult. But we've been able to provide, you know, an amazing opportunity for economic growth. Uh, and, and we struggled with it a little bit because, again, some of this popped in through the middle of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, but we realized we were, you know, significantly impacting our hospitality side, so mm -hmm. the hotels and restaurants. So just as one example from a teamwork perspective, as we looked into that 60-team soccer event, um, Laura, and I think it was John, actually provided all the eaches and all the details uh, to the event. Uh, Judy rolled up a, a relatively quick letter. Uh, and then the other half of the economic development team, Mike Klein, went door to door, literally to every restaurant in town to say, yay, verily, here they come, uh, be prepared. And we've got an overwhelming, you know, response from the restaurateurs. They were happy. Some were a little bit exasperated. I think they've had some significant sales in the area. Uh, but some of them brought extra folks on, prepared um, additional food, or at least had it available uh, to really meet that requirement. So... If you tie all those things together, we do generally very well, you know, Monday through Thursday, Monday through Friday with business travel mm -hmm. uh, on a hotel side. Again, a lot of that's tied to Fort Huachuca and the Defense Department. Uh, but again, if we can bring people in, yeah, and as I said, I've, I've had the good venture of, of taking children across the country for uh, everything from, well, started off with soccer and ended up with cycling and cheerleading in between but at the end of the day we've been from each coast and, and moved around so the, the the moms and dads the, the grandma and grandpa the parents um, again they're going to take their children in many cases to different events and we really kind of boiled it down to why not here mm -hmm. you know and at the end of the day we've got some talented young folks that that they need some home games too. Yeah. I mean, you know, you play football, you expect about half your games are home and half of them are away. When you get into some of the unique stuff, um, shall we call it travel ball, uh, mountain biking, road biking, 
or, you know, we were packing up and, and leaving town literally every weekend. And, and you get to the point saying, well, why not bring them here? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, again, there is a huge economic impact. And at the end of the day, we've got this beautiful, extraordinary city, and they get to take a piece of it when they leave. And, and the phenomenal experience that they've had will, will travel with them. So if you take it further down the road, are they a business owner? Are they an entrepreneur? Are they a teleworker? I mean, I'd say a professional that can literally work from anywhere. That gives them the opportunity to say, hey, why do not, you know, why, why not? Why don't I consider Sierra Vista and come back? So there's a, a multi-pronged approach. Uh, and at the end of the day, with social media, they get some awesome pictures. They have a great event. Uh, clearly, they spend some of their money while they're here. Uh, but they'll take it back. And when we saw the tournaments, we've seen them travel from as far away as the Midwest or Florida. Mm -hmm. Um, And in fact, we actually saw hits on the website that we can attribute, uh, partially because we really weren't advertising to Florida. Mm -hmm. And we can only link it back to the tournaments uh, that Laura and her team kind of worked through. So it all intertwines very well together. And I think it's a great example, one, of how the city staff has worked together. Um, But again, how we're really attempting to change the environment uh, and expose people that otherwise would not know that Sierra Vista is here. Yeah, I, I think just like you talked about just now, um, you know, people think of you know tourism in one bucket, economic development in another bucket, maybe recreation in another bucket. But um, Judy, maybe you can address how, how these tournaments and events and everything really cross those lines, and how we, we do talk about this, you know, as a team, um, and think about it not just in terms of you know the benefit to local residents or the benefit to economic development, but how we can kind of leverage what we're doing to really attack all of those goals. Right. So that's actually been our strategy working. Um, as a team, we, do, we keep our buckets, but we also <laughs> pool some of the contents of the buckets into one big bucket. Yep, yep. <laughs> so that's a good analogy, Adam. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, to um, kind of in the pure tourism side, um, yes, when people come here and experience here at Vista for a tournament, it gives them a taste of what we have to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and as Tony mentioned, they'll, they'll take it home with them, share some photos, share some memories. And, you know, we hope that, they'll, you know, maybe their friends or other family members will say, you know, I'd like to go there. I'd like to experience that. Or as Tony mentioned earlier, it's a great place to train. So maybe they'll come back and train. So we do aim to inspire repeat visits from these tournament um, attendees. So yay. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And I I was just thinking of um, the best Western owner. Um, I remember how he mentioned to me that he would come down here to hunt quail on a regular basis right. for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's part of why he kind of had Sierra Vista in the back of his mind and was kind of tracking us as a potential expansion, a place to invest in. Um, so, you know, whenever you bring someone to your community, you open doors. Um, and that could be an economic development. It could be in repeat visits. Um, it, it's just it's just a great way to open up possibilities for our yeah. community, I think. In, in foodie terms, it's an appetizer. Yeah. We want them to come back for a meal. <laughs> Absolutely. That's perfect. Um, so yeah, then, uh, so Sierra Vista is a little bit of a unique animal when it comes to economic development, a lot of these things. Um, we're, we're not very close to the interstate. We don't have a major railroad here. Um, that obviously presents some challenges. And, you know, people think about economic development in terms of like landing this big industry or this big fish um, and honestly some things just are not as realistic for our community necessarily so uh, can you talk about some challenges uh, in terms of economic development that Sierra Vista faces and how that kind of impacts your strategy and what opportunities you, you do kind of invest your resources to pursue a very broad question that I can go anywhere works, so yeah. <laughs> so I mean to be fair one I don't like to spend a lot of time on the negative mm-hmm. um, 
there's plenty of that out there, and, and we'll kind of let that go as we as we talk. But mm -hmm. I, I really talk about it, and I guess I've kind of thought about it in terms of we have a bit of a physics problem. Mm -hmm. um, we are, you know, roughly half an hour off of a major highway. Um, you, clearly, you're right. The rail was pulled many, many, many years ago, um, and we're not a direct route to and from Mexico, for instance, mm -hmm. uh, as we saw with uh, the MPO study a few years ago. People tended to move around us to the west or to the east. Now, some did come back through on the backside. So we're not maybe on a, on a thoroughfare such as, such as we are. Some other considerations, and again, uh, I think, quite frankly, the city has had a tremendous um, environmental record. So they're very cautious uh, historically about what we would bring into the community. Mm -hmm. um, so that may limit some of the industries that you may see in other locations. I mean, we have to protect our, our biggest economic engine, which right. is Fort Huachuca, which is, is tied to those concerns. Right. Obviously. Well, and again, I think we all just want to be great stewards. I mean, we mm -hmm. talk about our skies. We clearly don't want to, you know, pollute the air, pollute mm -hmm. the water. Um, so, you know, I think that that legacy of working with Fort Huachuca and, and quite frankly, many other partners, Cochise County mm -hmm. uh, and the city have been significant leaders in this, in this right, whether it be water usage or not. So I think those things have limited, uh, and I think to, to the benefit uh, of where we've gone. So people talk about, you know, it's the world famous, hey, you know, why, why don't, you know, HQ2, I actually had somebody ask me, are you going after HQ2 for Amazon? I just, I, I mean, I chuckled inside a little bit. I mean, the reality is, one, Amazon's here. Check your phone. Check your computer. It's already here. They show up at your front door every day. Um, so, so, two, we've got to be a little more creative. Um, and as I mentioned to council back probably three, four weeks ago when I did um, the study, we actually went back and looked at industrial land. Mm -hmm. So if you'd like to put in a large industry, fill in the blank, um, let's say a large industry that is not a heavy water user, mm -hmm. uh, you've got to have land. Uh, and if you start looking at things like um, heavy production, then you've got to count miles. So, for instance, if you're going to do heavy industry, most of them will come across and say they want to be within two to three miles of a highway because every additional mile for their truck is a, an additional expense. Now, I know there's some, there's some one-offs across the state, and you're going, why is that here? Um, so really what that started was about four years ago when we looked at kind of the resources. Uh, and again, I was a military planner, so that was my actually first task when I took the job. Uh, and the city manager said, go forth and update this plan. And I went back and looked, and in Army speak, we've got facts and assumptions. We've got things like limitations. Mm -hmm. uh, and you just have to acknowledge them. We're, you know, we're not going to point them out. We're not going to talk about them. It's just the way it is. So let's work with the things that we have. So kind of really where we've developed is, and, and Judy mentioned it before, you know, really that's where the, the staff partnership to move forward. And really the basis of it was how do we change the environment to get a different answer? Right. And then how do we leverage the things that we have? And I think that's where we get into the sports tours. And we've got phenomenal fields, phenomenal climate, a terrific staff mm -hmm. um, within, within Laura's organization that give you a phenomenal experience. So let's go after that and, and move forward. Uh, the other one is how do we take, you know, the tech and the, the very advanced workforce that we've got in Fort Huachuca and how do, we, how do we go from there? How do we leverage things like the University of Arizona College of Applied Science and Technology? I mean, they're leading the country in cyber and Internet of Things and intelligence operations. So how do we go there? Uh, how do we leverage uh, Cochise College and their virtual reality, augmented reality? Well, why do I mention those two? Those two fit very neatly into the market because 
they're clearly a very clean industry. Mm -hmm. Two, they can leverage office space, which we quite frankly have uh, additional excess capacity. Right. Uh, and it ties into the workforce that we've got and, and the educated people that we have in this community. So as somebody pointed out early on, you're not, you know, they're like, Boone, you're not going after light industrial. Well, mm -hmm. to a point, and if it fits, we would gladly do that. Uh, but at the end of the day, we've got limited resources and limited time. Um, and it kind of comes into a discussion of do you go after, let's be, you know, let's go after the very large fish, you know, Amazon HQ2. I mean, Tucson took a shot at it, and quite frankly, they weren't into it. And it's been interesting to see how that's developed, uh, both in New York City and right outside of Washington, D.C. So clearly, we, we want to set conditions for jobs. Uh, clearly, we want to set conditions for, for growth and wealth. Um, to be added to this community. Uh, and we've worked with uh, a whole series of small businesses kind of as we've gone along. And again, you know, if I kind of round it all out, where is the unique asset? Well, the unique asset is the airport, mm -hmm. uh, the third longest runway in the state of Arizona. Uh, we've got 13 acres, about 20 acres, if you include the apron that's already there. And how do we leverage access to the joint use airport for large aircraft operations, maintenance, uh, retrofit, uh, overhaul those kinds of things. So, you know, we can spin our wheels and and, and chase, you know, you know the the percentage of the percentage of the percentage. Um, but at the end of the day, we want to ensure that we we both support our local businesses. It's important to maintain those. Um, we've had some cool success with people growing even during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. It's been pretty awesome. Um, and then again, we look to attract and, and roll folks up. And in some cases, that's been the defense industry. In some cases, that has been the, the hospitality, small retail. Um, cool things like, um, you know, bombs away in the mall if you haven't been out to the mall. You know, and, and for the listeners, I, I would say go take a look at the mall. Uh, I was there last weekend, and uh, it's different. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a more experiential, and it's it's our local business owners that are there. These aren't major chains. I mean, there are still some that are there. But, I mean, how do you support the local folks? So it's, it's kind of a broad view, and I guess if I'd kind of wrap that one up, you know, my view is literally everything we do as a city has some impact on economic development. The policies, the budget. Uh, the tourism, how we interact with our community, how we maintain uh, the infrastructure that we own on behalf of the citizens of Sierra Vista, all of those things have a, have a huge impact. Um, and we were showing the airport just a couple weeks ago. Um, the gentleman came in early, ran through the town, you know, kind of probably had lunch. Uh, and I met them, and they had spent about an hour and a half roaming around, and, and they were extremely impressed. I'm not sure what they were expecting at the end of the day, um, but far bigger, far cleaner. I mean, and those were those, their comments. Uh, lots of options, uh, and they were very impressed when, uh, when we sat down and took a look at the airport. So, again, how we do all of those things together, and I'm boldly convinced that, that that's where we're at. Uh, and I think it's working, and I think the partnership and teamwork that we have uh, within the city staff, and then our other strategic partners, uh, whether I mentioned the colleges, uh, our chambers of commerce, uh, the small business development center, you know, all of those pieces and parts, and then our business owners themselves. So um, really we're attempting all collectively to make this a better community. Mm -hmm. 
And I, I really see that in the collective vision we've kind of shared as a city team and seeing some of that community buy-in. And it's good to see. And it also translates into what we're doing on the West End. And maybe we'll talk about that on a future podcast. Um, <laughs> but we could delve into so much, many details and when what you talked about. Uh, it's a, a very fascinating thing to think about and something people don't really wrap their arms around um, on their own very often, just in terms of really seeing how our strategy is kind of tailor, tailor-made for our community. Um, but in any case, you know, while we kind of presented some of the unique challenges uh, with our location here in, in terms of economic development, uh, we also have this extraordinary and uncommon environment uh, that entices visitors to make a trip down here. Um, and there was some other recent news that was really exciting um, and that the uh, governor signed off on the uh, state de- declaration uh, that actually makes it official that Sierra Vista is the hummingbird capital of Arizona. Uh, we've commonly called ourselves and been widely known as the hummingbird capital of the U.S. for a little while. Um, but how does this official designation uh, bolster our reputation, Judy? And uh, do you think we might seek it on a national stage, too? Okay, so we were really excited to see that the governor did sign the bill that was introduced by Gail Griffin. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh yeah, we're really honored to be recognized within the state of Arizona as the hummingbird capital. So um, it, it is possible to pursue it on a national level, and there has been discussion um, with the city manager's office to pursue that. So it is something that we're still fleshing out, and we, hope, we do hope to gain that designation at some point in the future. But I'd like to talk about birding for just a little minute. It is another area that we focus um, for tourism marketing, and, you know, birders they're quiet they're you don't notice them they get up early they go out and they look at birds and then they go have a lunch and they're they're just they're wonderful people they really are and birding during the pandemic became the fastest growing outdoor activity in the United States. Oh, wow. And it's, I mean, you don't really think of it. If you could see Tony's face right now, he's he's looking puzzled. That's why we have a podcast, so I'm actually on camera. (laughs) But it's, yeah, um, 45 million people engage in birding across the United States, and it is an $80 billion industry. That's eight zero with a B. Wow, it's so funny because you think of it as such a niche market if you don't really know much about it. Yeah, Yeah, but no, and and people, are extremely active in we're in the mountain region mm-hmm. for birding it's one of the most active areas in the united states for birding mm-hmm. um, people will travel here from literally around the world to see the birds that are here because of our unique environment that we have with the, again the beautiful sky islands those nice cool canyons the san pedro river and the relative isolation that's a challenge for tony's job is really great for birding and bird watching um, the San Pedro serves as a migratory superhighway, and we see over 300 species of birds passing through this area in any given year. Wow. So um, the hummingbirds are just one. There are you can find 15 of the 23 species that come into the United States here. Um, 14 is common, 15 is unusual, mm-hmm. uh, but they have all been spotted here. And I'd like to encourage listeners if they haven't been to one of the hummingbird banding sessions that the Southeast Arizona Bird Observatory or SABO puts on at the San Pedro House, definitely go, and you'll see how they attract and capture the hummingbirds. They're very gentle when they're captured. You can hold them in the palm of your hand. The uh, researchers will weigh, measure the birds, check them for parasites, and put a very tiny little band on their leg Mm -hmm. and then release them back into the wild. So this study has been going on for over 15 years and is providing to a wealth of data to help um, 
researchers understand the migratory patterns and life of the hummingbirds. Um, it wasn't known until recently how long a hummingbird lives mm -hmm. uh, because uh, generally a small animal lives not as long as a large animal. Um, but they actually, I'm not even going to venture what their lifespan is, but it's, it's a lot longer than was expected. So, Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, um, having this designation of, of Hummingbird Capital of Arizona, it just really adds to our reputation as one of the best birding places literally in the nation. And you know, the Southwest Wings organization picked up on that 30 years ago mm -hmm. when they started their Birding in Nature Festival. And last year they did virtual events. Mm -hmm. This spring they did a virtual spring fling, but we're really excited. The uh, The upcoming summer event, which is end of July, early August, is an in-person and virtual event. So we, we hope that people come out for that. They'll be offering tours. So if you're a budding bird watcher, you know, <laughs> join one of those tours and hook up with someone who has lots of experience and they can tell you what, what it is that you're seeing. It's it's a really... it's. You know, honestly, I've kind of gotten into it a little bit, and it's it's a rabbit hole, and you can go down it really far, but it's a pleasant rabbit hole, yes, yes. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, and there are so many birds here, it's it's incredible. Yeah, and birders are super super friendly once you get to know them. Uh, I've I've written some different stories about birders over the years, and also when I started working for the city, um, I started taking photos of birds because I wanted to get a better sense for different tourism elements and stuff like that and there are some amazing birds here like the elegant trogan is one of the most extraordinary birds i've ever seen it looks like it's something out of a myth honestly it does um, yeah it's yeah. just absolutely amazing and this is one of the only places in the country you'll ever see them um and there's a lot of birds that you just won't find anywhere else in in, in the country um and talking about this designation uh, we should also probably give credit to the the city council and gwen calhoun who introduced it to the city council last year and they voted to actually refer it to our representatives to actually get it to move forward um but i i, I think hummingbirds are such a good gateway into both the birding world and into our community um, because they're just such a, a quirky thing that i i think has broader appeal um do you do you hope that this just kind of you know, gets the word out about Sierra Vista to a broader audience too, a little bit. Yeah, I, th I hope that it does, and I think that it will. Um, I did see some some of the hummingbird designation press releases mm -hmm. picked up across the nation. Yeah. So it's it's pretty exciting that we that we are getting known for that, and you know we've got it on our website. And you know, to to be honest, a few years ago I had taken it down, and I was called out at a state conference by someone who was visiting um, <laughs> from another state that it was not easily found on our website so i put it back up because i was a little bit embarrassed <laughs> so it's it's more widely spread than i expected you know people yeah. really do believe that and it, it, well it is true but they'll look for that and it's easy for us to take take it for granted here but um it is just it's just a catchy hook i mean it's just something kind of odd and interesting and, and piques people's interest i think mm -hmm. um and i've also seen on social media just like uh arizona office of tourism uh using it already on their instagram stories and it just it gives other marketing agencies um you know other newspaper uh folks and you know, online writers, just an easy, easy thing to write about. Uh, yes. It's just a very, very simple way to, to introduce people to our community, which is kind of nice. Yes, that is exactly right. And then, uh, so finally, switching gears again, uh, the, just this week, the city council is voting to accept an offer to purchase King's Court. Um, this is the old uh, sports gallery bar and grill property. It's, it used to be a, a bar and grill and uh tennis complex in the, in the community for many years. Uh, the city has had it for 
quite a while now. Uh, really, since 2012. Right? There we go. I'm glad. I'm glad you know the date. <laughs> yeah, uh, and the, we uh, actually had to have the voters, uh, the citywide voters, approve its potential sale. So it's been on the market for a number of years as well, and a, and an offer has finally been made, and and we're kind of finalizing that this week. Uh, so Tony, can you share a little bit about how uh, this particular deal came about and what the buyer plans to do with the property? Um, no, no, I'm joking. <laughs> this comes out Friday after the Thursday vote. We're, right. we're talking no. about it before. I know, I'm but. joking. So <laughs> right today, no. But, so, so no, kind of from the process perspective where we're at, you're right. So the voters approved the sale in 2014. There's been a couple different folks that have been in and out. Uh, and really the, the, the facility itself is, you know, is kind of degraded over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also been vandalized and some other things along the way, but and really what, uh, what we did in economic development was a couple years ago we realized we had the property. Again, I've been here about four. And there was a great opportunity to revitalize the location, revitalize the action, um, and really bring additional things to the community, whether it was tennis or, or not when we first started. So we've shown it, I don't know, probably in excess of 12 to 14 different folks. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I'll leave a little bit to it, but but we were approached by a, uh, a tennis organization out of Canada, mm-hmm. uh, probably a little bit earlier this year. I'm going to say February, March. Uh, exchanged information, provide additional support, uh, and then they worked. In this case, we are uh, contracted with First West Properties to sell the property. Uh, so Frank Morrow and his team, and really we just kind of walked them through the community. Uh, a whole series of questions, as you might expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we had the good fortune to actually host them here in May um, to spend, I want to say it was about four days uh, on site, both there in the community. Uh, interestingly, I thought it was kind of uh, ironic uh, that the owner or future potential owner made the comment it was the first time he'd actually had a, a beer in a bar um, because, again, Toronto and, and Canada has been locked down for a mm-hmm. while. But but really a great opportunity for them to, to see. Um, I, I, you know, I'll give you a quick snapshot. Quite frankly, at the end of the day, it's I want them to be able to have the opportunity to, to roll it out to the community. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, they they have one thing... Uh, that quite frankly our other folks that looked at the property didn't. And they have successfully run a tennis club uh, and have done it very well uh, with significant focus on juniors training and the like. So they have the expertise and, and, and the owner pers- you know, that we've met, um, they have the expertise to do that. So we're in the middle of this. We will, uh, I know this comes out on Friday, we'll work it through the work session kind of in a broad scope. Uh, we'll have the opportunity to, uh, to introduce Alistair Miller, uh, the president and CEO, uh, at least via telephone mm-hmm. uh, this afternoon uh, to council to be able to roll out his ideas. And then the Thursday vote will be a ratification to sell. Uh, and then that way council will ratify the staff to complete the purchase from the city manager, the city attorney, and ultimately, uh, Kenny Downing, our procurement officer, to uh, to complete the sale. So that's kind of the the mechanics. It's it's not as easy. Well, I don't know. I guess buying a house can be an interesting challenge too. Um, <laughs> but but again, their intent uh, and their model uh, has been to run, and I'm going to say they've been running it f- uh, since 2014, 2015. So uh, a successful tennis operation, and then they've got some significant plans. Uh, for a couple phases down the road, acknowledging that it's uh, it's a heavy lift to uh, to adjust that property uh, and to bring it back 
uh, and reactivate it. From the economic development perspective, I mean, clearly we had folks playing tennis, um, but we were, you know, doing some basic maintenance on it. But it, it really wasn't blossoming to its full potential. So we're very excited about this opportunity. It's, it's, uh, it's fascinating to be able to work uh, with uh, a company to the north mm -hmm. uh, because, again, they, they view the world differently. It's, it's just, quite frankly, fun to bring, uh, you know, folks out of Toronto to experience. And really I think that goes back to the interesting relationship between the state of Arizona and, and Canadian companies writ large. Um, but again, I, I'm very excited about that opportunity. I'm impressed uh, with both their knowledge uh, and their opportunity to go forward. So at the end of the day, we will, we will get the space reactivated, and I think you'll see some significant change over the next couple of years, and we'll let them kind of roll that one out as they go. Um, but again, it will bring back that, that activity, that location, and we've kind of the whole theme of this discussion has been the outdoors. Mm -hmm. So the ability to play, uh, whether it's tennis or pickleball, mm -hmm. um, in that location. And what's neat is the, the discussions and stories about people that have had engagements or relationships. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that property was donated by Dr. Bill McCormick. Um, and for decades prior, you know, it had been well loved by that community who, you know, uh, ate there, relaxed there, and played tennis there on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so what was one of the stories that uh, I think the, the person buying the property actually heard from someone, right? Yeah, it's actually in his letter, so we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll put it out. But it was a discussion about... I think the, the gentleman had said, uh, at least had uh, translated to, to Alistair that he had been married not once but twice uh, at that location. So, um, and, and I'll give credit to, to, to Alistair when he went through. I mean, he did some significant due diligence and really engaged in the community. So, um, I mean, again, we, we want to ensure that they come in with, with all of the information available because, you know, at the end of the day, at least from the economic development side, I mean, we want the business to be successful. Uh, we want them to flourish and provide a great opportunity, both for them uh, as well as the community. So, you know, we, we kind of look at this as a win-win as a situation, uh, and they clearly have the expertise to do things uh, that we perhaps may not have in the city. So um, we're very excited about where this one goes, um, and uh, I look forward to the vote. Uh, with the council on Thursday. So I won't get ahead of them, but all of those things will happen depending on how they vote on Thursday. Um, but if they ratify it, we will work our way through it. Absolutely. That's very exciting news for the community. And uh, yeah, there's there's been a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Um, so we'll have to bring you guys on again. Uh, there's just so much to talk about in these areas, but I really appreciate your time and thank you both for joining us today. Thanks a lot, right. Adam. Any old time. Yeah, thanks, Adam. Thank you for listening to another episode of Let's Talk Sierra Vista. As always, you're invited to join the conversation by sending your comments, ideas, or questions to pod at sierravistaaz.gov. That's pod, P-O-D, at sierravistaaz.gov. Take care, everybody.